We are so glad you could join us. I'm Lauren. I'm Katie. We're your hosts. This podcast is a conversation between two good friends, sharing life stories as we make sense of personal growth, healing, and the journey home. Today, we have a guest joining us, David Mahoney, who is currently training to be a counsellor. We return to a topic we explored in season one, the importance of listening, empathy, and holding space for one another. You might relate to some of the things we discuss, or perhaps you'll pick something up from what we've learned along the way. We hope you feel part of the conversation and inspired to reflect on your own journey too. This is your invitation to connect with us. Welcome to Chrysalis Connection. Cool. So today we've invited a friend along for a chat. So we'd like to introduce David Mahoney. Is that how you pronounce your name? I do have a question about this. (laughs) We're not professional. (laughs) Mahoney. Ah, okay. Because Katie sent me your Instagram profile because she was talking about, I think you were sharing about your sobriety. Mm. So obviously it's applicable to me. And I was like, yes, I love, I love hearing about people's, people's stories. And I saw David Mahoney and like, and that's how (laughs) I always read your surname now. Like I can't see it any other way. I am happy with that. I get Mahoney, Mahoney, Mahoney's, um, I also get Police Academy a lot because Mahoney is apparently in Police Academy. Oh, but I, like, people, yeah, people constantly say that to me. They constantly like, oh, Mahoney, like Police Academy. And I'm just like, ah. <laughs> I'll have to Google that. What's I, that? Like, I've there. never I don't seen get it. the reference. <laughs> it's like, it's just my name. Like, <laughs> It is an amazing surname, though. It's really cool. Thanks. <laughs> Thank you. I love that. So. <laughs> Now I've got to say it seriously. <laughs> We're not professional. This happens all the time, don't it's we? Worry. Absolutely fine. As long as you feel comfortable. <laughs> I think we tried to be in the beginning, but it was a bit stiff, and it was like, no, we just need to be ourselves. Like that's how we. That's how we find our people. It's it's much better. It's much mm. better that way. Yeah. And you can hear it as well. You can hear when it's more. Mm. Yeah, relaxed. massively. So we'd like to introduce to you, David Mahoney who is a trainee therapist and life coach and who's also running the marathon in October. So we've invited him on uh, for a chat about his training, life decisions and self-discovery. Hello. So welcome. Hi. Thanks, <laughs> Thanks for having me on and, um, and also congratulations on your second season. Thank oh, you. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, doesn't, doesn't we kind of forget about that? Very exciting. Thanks for having me on. It's great to have you here. Yeah, our first guest of season two as well. Yes. And I feel very lucky. You should feel. (laughs) So you're you're training to be a counsellor at the moment and you're planning to become a life coach too. Yeah, so it's um, at the moment I'm currently through... I'd say like the third of the way through the, the therapist training, um, which it's quite a long process. It's three years, um, no matter which way you kind of do it. So whether you do it through uni or the way that I'm doing it, which is through um, a counselling body, I guess you could say the CPCAB. Don't ask me what each what what it means because it's actually escaped my mind. But essentially, I'm doing it through them. Um, so it's about a three year three year course. So I'm currently in the first, kind of done the first year, which is two courses. I've done them quite quickly. I say I've done them quite quickly. I've done the intense version of them. I've not just managed to like 
complete two courses without any sort of time frame um and so yeah I've been doing that and life coaching wise that's the summer project that's the summer thing because I get school holidays now which is um novel at 32 to have school holidays again so that's quite fun um so that's something for me to do and work on during the summer but it's something that as I've kind of gone through the journey of understanding more about what it is to be a therapist and the theory and the things that present themselves and everything that can get uncovered coaching just feels like a really natural thing that would run alongside that quite nicely um so obviously as you guys probably know a lot of counseling and therapy is very based on the past and dealing with it in the present and the here and now but I always just get the impression you're just then left we've dealt with the issues now flourish but Mm. I think there needs to be a little bit of focus and a little bit of draw towards the future as well so what that looks like as a profession or from an ethical standpoint that's probably something I need to cross over when I get there but that's kind of where I'm at right now exciting Mm. it's really interesting you mentioned that about therapy being very much about the past because that's Mm. what I'm starting to notice myself um, and I think at times Lauren and I have both felt that way about therapy to some extent. Oh, yeah, constantly, because it, it is always past stuff, isn't it? When you're you're dealing with current situations, it's like, oh, let's look at what what's happened in the past. Like how it's how we learn, isn't it? Through past experiences. You know, we have no experience of the present really other than going through it now, whereas the past is patterns and behavior and everything. hundred percent. And that's very much how I guess. As well, like, I mean, with counselling, I mean, it's so interesting. So there's just not one way of working. Mm. And there are many different types of therapists out there in the world. So for instance, I'm primarily training to be a person-centred therapist, which does focus on the here and now. So you could come to me with something that's going on in your mind right now. And I'm really there to hold that space and listen and provide that safe space for you. But if I was to work maybe more integratively and maybe bring in a bit of like psycho psychotherapy and things like that then I'd be delving into the past and then I'm like gonna just try and excavate everything can help you that way but it's each client and each person that you speak to is going to have a really unique situation that they're bringing into the room and also each client then gets their own unique way of working with them Mm. and that's something that you agree with and you discuss as you both are probably familiar with in that contracting phase at the beginning so you both understand what's going on you've got the boundaries set and then you can move forward and actually do the really hard work which is the talking therapy and it's hard (laughs) we know it yeah I mean it's hard but it's it's so insightful and I think empowering as well because for me at least it's Mm. given me the permission to own my own story by talking through it with someone. Yeah I mean the whole thing about counselling is to empower the individual because I'm not a therapist to sit here and tell you what to do. I'm not here to guide you in any shape or form but I'm there to help you talk it out and help you work it out for yourself, which is the most incredibly empowering thing, which is why I wanted to do it in the first place is to help others um, and to get others feeling that empowerment. It's such an honor to be part of that process. It's really, somebody said to me, um, it's a privilege to listen to people's stories. And when they said that, I was just like, shit, it really is like that. That is a real honor to hear those stories, however, however great they are or however gritty and deep and dark they might be, it's a real, honor and privilege to be able to be able to sit there and help that person through that absolutely no I completely agree with you there like that's that's when I love connecting with people the most like when you you were talking on the last episode you know connection with strangers sometimes you can just have that immediate connection and you're you know you'll share Mm. a life story and 
a condensed version in like a couple of hours if that's all the time you've got together and it's such a beautiful it's like two souls coming together yeah yeah it's amazing it is, it is an absolute privilege I know there's a I think there was an image going around about like checking people out instead of books and getting to hear their stories mm. I mean that's that's how we used to learn like way way back wasn't it stories around the campfire and listening yeah. to the elders and everything and don't have that anymore we have podcasts we do have podcasts. I mean, for me, like, you know, Glenn and Doyle's podcast <laughs> is the, the proverbial campfire listening to the elders. So. Mm. I mean, I would love to be doing a podcast around a campfire right now. That would be, oh, that imagine. would be nice. Maybe not in this That'd heat, but yeah. <laughs> Maybe season three, you never know. When it cools, in the evening when it's cool, it's that kind of like twilight mm. hour and yeah. it's just nice and there's that still. And that mm. crackling sound in the background. No. Mm. Oh, that sounds amazing. I wanted to ask actually what I know you probably already touched on it but what made you want to do counseling yeah I think a lot of it I mean I went through my own personal development journey in 2018 and I did a lot of work on myself um, which was the first time that I'd ever spent the time or needed to spend the time I guess that's probably the right way of saying it um, to really work on myself and actually understand myself a bit better and do the work and so through that I met and read great books and I saw I was more in tune with the therapy world because a lot of what I was reading was written by therapists so um, I was starting to understand how it worked and I just had this inkling real inkling come 2019 that I just wanted to do something different I was working in PR I'd been doing it for 10 years and I just knew I didn't want to do it anymore, but I didn't know what I wanted to do. And I didn't know how feasible it was. And so when you start looking up counselling, how to become a counsellor, how to become a therapist, how to become a psychologist, all the psych roles you could have, I started seeing degrees and I started seeing, you know, quite a lot of money being thrown around the place. And I started seeing all these blocks as it were. And I just was like, okay, do you know what? Just get a new job. That's obviously the issue. You don't like your job. So just go get a new job. And actually I at the core of me really wanted to help people. I think fundamentally, I've always been somebody that's wanted to make sure that everyone's okay, everyone's fine, everyone gets on, everyone's happy. Even my mum would say that. She even said that. She was like, I remember you're always just wanting to help people and make people feel good and feel happy. You want to help. And it was actually my friend, Brian, and I was basically really ranting and raving about really not enjoying my career anymore. Didn't know what to do. Just felt a bit stuck. I was, you know, 30 hours just thinking what to do and so I think I want to be a counsellor and he was actually the one that called me out on all my bullshit because he was just like stop reading books about what you're going to do and getting your life plan together stop doing this why are you spending all your time doing that when you could just go on google and type in counselling courses near me and apply to a course and as much as I was just like oh he's called me out on my procrastination I hate that I'm so thankful that he did because I went home that evening and I found a course right near me. And within two months I had left my job and was doing the first step onto my counseling thing. So um, part of it was a drive to help people. And I think on a personal note, it was how I'd felt such great empowerment through all the work that I'd done myself. And I remember hitting like that 28th birthday six months into all this work and sobriety and just saying to myself like wow you feel so free you feel so good 
And it was a bit annoying because sometimes I let my career take that away from me a little bit. That mm-hmm. it was quite anxiety inducing. So I knew what to do, but you know, it's that balance, isn't it? So I think for me, it was that element of, wow, this really helped me. I'd love to help other people feel like this. So it's a few different reasons, but I think ultimately it's, a, yeah, a mix of wanting to help people. Yeah, that sounds amazing. It's like a proper when the stars align thing as well. That you spent such a long time dithering over it. And yeah. yeah, but we need people around us, don't we, to call us out on our bullshit, basically. 100%. <laughs> really roundabout way, I think, being in the lockdown and going through such, uh, I can't describe them, unprecedented times and doing the career I was doing in the lockdown, it just made me sit there and be like, is this it? I don't, I'm not happy. I don't want to do this. Like, yeah. this isn't it for me right now. This isn't, I'm not sat here enjoying what I'm doing in this lockdown. So that also spurred me on even more to start venturing and actually start to do what it is that I really want to do. I think that was quite an eye-opening situation, um, as awful as it is. In that moment, I was just like, this is the good that's come out of the bad. I've found that this is what fuels me. This is my purpose. This is my passion. Let's just go for it. I was at home anyway. So just turned my plans around a little bit, but it, it couldn't have gone any better. I'm, I'm, I'm really exactly. happy to be doing this. Yeah. It's so exciting. So it's so wonderful to hear. It's really, mm. it's just given me such a boost, I think, just hearing someone that knows themselves so well and has the courage and the, you know, supportive friends to make a decision like that. Because, you know, sometimes we just wallow too much or we, we dither mm. to use Lauren's word and having mm. something, whether that's a lockdown or a friend or just uh, one of those moments that can snap you out of it and give you some perspective is so valuable. I also, I mean, the job that I'm in now, the job that I was working, I mean, they called me out of the blue and were just like, hey, do you want to come and work for us? So I was like, part-time. I was like, um, yeah, because I really hate my job and I think I want to go become a counsellor. So I, it was a real, like, just moments just started aligning up and I just think it got to that June spot and I was just like, oh, now or never, basically. So it's a year then? Yeah, so it'll be September since oh. I started everything, but yeah about the June, June, July time that I've like made my mind up and handed my notes in. It's interesting because I know you're a Gemini. So maybe there was something in the stars there mm. for you, you know, your birthday month, this big change yeah. or realisation. I think it was, yeah, it was kind of leading up to that moment. I remember having the conversation. It would have been around March time, March, April time. I think I started having those initial conversations because it was just before we went into full lockdown. And then as we started getting back out of it, yeah it felt like quite a mad rush I think once I've made my mind up because I can be quite um I can dither quite a lot once I made my mind up I was just like oh shit I've got to make this happen literally within like two and a half months so I have to start school in September work my notice I've got to do all this sort of stuff but maybe maybe it was all in the stars and that little split Gemini worked out in the end of the day (laughs) maybe you mentioned finding sobriety how long have you been sober uh three and a half years ah congratulations Thank you. I really loved your podcast where you talked about it because I felt what you were saying just completely resonated. So how Mm. long have you been? Uh, It was five years in March. Amazing. Yeah, it's crazy. (laughs) But so you you would have been late 20s. I was 27. Interesting. I was 27. It's going to be goosebumps. Which was a... (laughs) Yeah, it's a really um, weird year um, given see the connotations that 27 has I'm 27 now (laughs) I've just turned 27 it's such a life-changing year though it was for me as well yeah it's um 
that was a big year because I guess part of it was it was quite weird like half of the 27 was really shit and then the other half was really good so it was like the perfect kind of yeah and then when I turned 28 it was like okay cool let's just go do this but um yeah I was 27 and it was um New Year's Day I hate New Year's but it's I now love New Year's because it's your sober birthday yeah I don't like New Year's as an evening and as a day I'm not a huge New Year's person but I do love the fact that I get to wake up on the first and just be like yeah that's another year done (laughs) that's amazing done that so did it start with dry January or was that just coincidence no it was um it was just I know a lot of people do dry Jan for me it was just I think I really don't like starting New Year's resolutions on the 1st of January <laughs> ever. I've always been someone that's like, I'll do them on the 1st of February because it's just like, if I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it then anyway. Um, but I think for me, it was just like, okay, it's a new year. It's a fresh start. Like, you know, you probably need to do this. So just do the last big party on the 31st and then mm. stop. And it just made sense that it worked out on that day. It just so happened that it was the first and I think there was that vibe of it being a new year this is really going to be a fresh start Mm. the first time I've set a proper new year's resolution and actually stuck to it (laughs) three and a half years going strong (laughs) so did that sort of give birth to your personal development journey a hundred percent a hundred percent it started to be honest it was really weird because I think I did Sobertober and that was more me actually just being really cocky and arrogant because everyone said that I couldn't do it. And I just was so like, well, I'm going to prove all of you that I can. And I did it. And so I was just like, right, done it. Now what? It was so much bravado because I was obviously trying to cover up that I wasn't very happy. So it's just like, yeah, what next? Get me a glass of wine. Um, and actually it was around that time earlier on that I'd actually started like dallying in meditation and headspace and I really wanted to get into that and then it was also my mum I think if my mum might have meditated but my mum had been reading The Secret and she said you're you need to read this and I was just like oh no I don't want to read that um and I'd seen it in Sex in the City the movie when Samantha's on the beach reading it she chucks it over her shoulder and she's just not buying it um and I was just like, no, but I went and bought it and I was like, I'll give it benefit. And I think at that time I did need something. And I think that's why I then went and got the book. So I was like, I just need yeah. something to try and shift this headspace or shift this, this spot that I'm in. This is not, it's not good. And um, yeah, so I started kind of dallying in it just before the first. Um, I tried drunk meditation, which really isn't the one. Um, AKA, I What's got home. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, you know, like, well, you know, like Headspace has like a running thing of how many days you've meditated. Mm. I was like so keen on not breaking that streak. So I got home after being quite annihilated and decided to meditate to try and just get the streak. And I did it for about <laughs> five minutes and the room really span. And I just thought, God, I'm going to like. <laughs> I'm going to see the beer soon. Like it wasn't fun. Um, but I was, I was trying to be dedicated to it. I, tra- I was dedicated to the cause. Um, but then when the first came, I was just like, okay, so I just need to now understand what I'm going to do, what I want to do. And I'd never read the miracle morning ever. I actually only read the miracle morning last year. And I inevitably actually set up my own miracle morning. So when I was reading the book, I was like, no wonder I'm reading this really quickly. Like I know this, um, how, um, so I think it's, yeah, 
awesome book and I definitely recommend that anyone that wants to try and make Absolutely. a little bit of change mm-hmm. or just shift their headspace is definitely the one to go to even if you don't do it in the morning if you do it throughout the day if you do it in the evening whatever works for you it's, it's definitely one that helps and every single mm-hmm. tool that he lists in there was something that I was doing um anyway so I'd get up I made an effort to get up um I rejoined a gym I went and was doing the journaling I was not doing visualization so much but I was doing trying to do affirmations I was trying to like set where I instead of doing like visualizations I'm more like a writer so it's more like my day is going to be like this um I was following the magic which is the secrets counterpart which is the 28 day gratitude program um it is a great book It's a great book. I mine, I never crack spines of books. I, my books are pristine, but that one is battered because I've used it so many times. And just, yeah, I, I just did all that stuff that's in the Miracle Morning, essentially. Reading, I found a book that got delivered to me through Instagram. So call that the universe, call that algorithms, call it whatever it was, but it landed in, in my screen and I, I read the book and it completely changed my outlook and my view and it really helped me. And it was that was written by a coach and a psychologist. So I was just like, this is exactly what I need to do. Um, and so that's what started it all off. That's what started the whole personal development journey. And a lot of it, as I was doing it, was like, this is fun. This is like, this is what I'm into. Like I've always been into it, but I've always been around people that might maybe like would turn their nose up at it or... I don't know, I never felt like I could be that kind of person. And maybe there were some like unconscious biases there about people that read personal development books um, and that sort of thing. But as I started doing it, I was like, wow, I love this. And I'm learning so much about myself, my habits. I'm focused. It was just epic. I always look back on that that six months in 2018 leading up to my birthday and just think, God, that was a really good six months. That was really, really fun. And it's interesting that you say that you, you know, at the time you didn't have friends who were interested in that because things couldn't be more different for you now. Uh, given that we met through self-help yeah exactly I say I think during during the run-up to deciding to go on this journey and to change my life a little bit I think there were definitely they're not bad friends at all and they're not people that were anti what I'm, I'm into or anything um any stretch of the imagination but I just felt like I couldn't ever before when I when I was kind of in my hedonistic stage put it that way I don't think I could have turned around and be like oh my god I'm really spiritual as well and I, I'm really into all this it just wasn't doesn't really match presenting up. itself to me in that phase yeah and I think as well it was just like I was just so hell-bent on just having fun that maybe that part of me was very very kind of suppressed and hidden away mm. so how does fun look for you now oh, like god fun is lit for, for me fun is like sitting and reading a book or watching Netflix or I'm a real homebody now I'm like the thought of me going to a club and dancing sober is possibly the least appealing thing to me like I literally my mind will just be like no not doing this not enjoying it fun for me is like seeing my friends for like lunch or like I went for a lovely picnic the other day in in the sun and that was really beautiful and it was lovely and um like journaling reading doing that that stuff I'm I'm a homebody and I'm, I'm quite quiet so I quite like all that stuff um Obviously, like you mentioned, Katie got shelf help. So I love doing all the stuff with that. Um, yeah, I think that's that's fun for me now. Oh, and running, obviously running. I mentioned the marathon earlier. Running is also fun for me. <laughs> it would be really, really painful if I don't like running. Yeah, I mean, that's keeping you busy. <laughs> How did the, the running come about? Oh, it was, so it was in um, January. So obviously with us still being quite a lockdown. And 
I, it actually started with me being really unhappy with how I looked and that I put a lot of weight on. I put on the COVID stone and some, um, and I just knew I needed to get back and do, do some exercise really. Um, and so I just downloaded couch to 5k cause I heard people had used it before and my best friend was doing it. And I just remember the first run I did, it was like cold, dark, wet, six in the morning, the 8th of January. I, I remember waking up being like, I don't like this. This is shit. I'm not enjoying it. And I had like a really baggy hoodie on, like gilet. I just looked like I didn't know what I was doing. And um, I went on the first run and it was just, it just astounded me, like how actually unfit I was because it was like, I think the first one for Couch to 5K is literally like run a minute, walk for five or something yeah, like yeah. that. I have the same memory of not being able to run for those 60 seconds thinking yeah. oh my goodness I didn't know I was this unfit yeah and like, just a shock kind of, <laughs> yeah it scared me because I was just like geez I was like literally two years ago I was like literally two stone lighter going to the gym lifting weights going to cardio classes doing all this and it was kind of fine and now I'm literally back to square one struggling to run around the block for a minute um but I think having couch to 5k was one of those tools. I think I did the first week like twice because I got a bit bored and I didn't want to do it. And I was being stubborn, but my mom was doing it as well. And I live with my mom. We're both talking to each other about it, not in an accountability sort of way, but more just like going to go for your run. I've done mine today. And then I got into it and I don't know what it was. I just got into it. And I think as I started progressing even more and more, I was just like, Oh, I can, I could start feeling myself getting fitter and that was quite quite exciting and then there started the I want to say interest that I had in running I started enjoying it and it was cardio and I'd maybe lost a, lost like six pounds and it felt great that I was that was a really great side effect to that um so yeah I just that was what kicked it off really and then I decided I thought it'd be fun to pop my name in the ballot for the marathon just as for, you do just for <laughs> just for shits and gigs really yeah, um pop your name in there <laughs> Yeah, I was just like, why not? Um, And then I started getting all the emails saying, you know, not long till it's announced, not long till it's announced. And then I started getting really excited. I was like, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. And I didn't get the ballot. I didn't make the ballot for the marathon. And then because I didn't, I was like, no, I want to do this. Mm. I'm going to find a way (laughs) to do it. And I think that's my stubborn streak. (laughs) And um, and I was enjoying the running and I was doing couch 5K. And it was like, I was doing the 5K runs. I was doing the half an hour runs. I was like... I can do it. And I'd worked out, I was getting physically fitter, but also the mental side of it was, it's all in your mind. Like, yeah, you can do that extra minute. Just do the extra minute. Once you've done the extra minute, you've done the extra minute. It was really the way I was starting to talk to myself as well. So Mm. yeah. I think that's one of the benefits that I really, really found from running. So I started couch to 5k, I think a week after you did, Mm. um, because my brother was doing it. And I thought if my brother can do it, I can do it. And then like a few of us from Shelf Help all started at the same time. So I had the accountability. What I, I started yeah. it mostly because I needed a way to deal with stress. Just, yeah. It was the only time I would leave the house. And then it, it turned into my therapy, my saving grace. Like it got me through those dark January, February days. And I think it was about four weeks in or so where it stopped being hard mm. or it didn't just stop being hard, but it, it turned out to be enjoyable as well. Like I stopped yeah. hating it and I could actually look forward to it and I'd get that runner's high and it wouldn't be too hard. I, was, I saw myself progressing and I really yeah. noticed like how my self-talk changed as well like, whilst I was on a yeah. run. 
instead of being like, oh, you're shit, you can't do this. But, oh, come on, you can do yeah. this extra minute. You know, and the, yeah. the way I, I spoke to myself really changed there. And yeah. I, I never, ever thought I'd be a runner. Um, and it's just the most, <laughs> the biggest surprise to come out of lockdown, I think. Um, my great, parents still it? can't believe it. Um, <laughs> you know, I used to hide my PE kit in a bush on the way to school so I could skive PE. And here I am oh. now running 10K. <laughs> it's crazy. But do you not think it's also just down to timing? Like, I think when you think back to those school days, you're in for, you're forced mm. to do sport. And if you don't like it, you're going to want to not do it. But now that it's completely on your own terms, and like you say, you found that it co- helps you cope with all the other stuff and the joys that life bring it's now on your terms and it's what's helping you where you are now I think yeah it's definitely because it's the choice but for me as well it's it's a case of like coming home to my body rather Mm. than hating my body or feeling trapped by it or disassociating from it now I am actively seeking ways to be in my body and to feel that yeah to be really present and that is such a, a new development for me yeah. my counselor thinks it's it's really great so it's like it's i need her great. to say that it's great but no <laughs> i think it's great too <laughs> no um, but it is great and I, I i can only like agree with you it's really funny like it, this is going to sound really 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 weird but like doing a 5k run for me is really unexciting because it's around the block and it's down main roads but when i have to do something a bit longer and i get to go out into nature and i get to go around the common that's near me and i get to go to my magical happy little pond that's hidden away near near here I then that's when I get all the benefits of it. So it's not only the exercise and yeah, my legs are killing me when I'm done, but it's also I've been in nature and that's what's really helped with my mind. And when I've had low periods during this kind of training, going and doing that, I'm now just like, God, it's not only helping me train, but it's also really helping my mind. Mm. Maybe I feel like I'm running away from stuff. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, do you feel like you're running away from it or running through it? Oh, um, bit of both and also a bit of neither I now feel that it's not a coping mechanism but it's a tool that I now have in my arsenal alongside all the other stuff and I love the little route that I run I absolutely love it when I'm running through when I when I've got like that run to do and I get to go through that place I'm always really really happy so I guess it helps yeah I feel like in a way like I'm kind of left with my thoughts on a run so if I'm in a bad mood I know right Take yourself on a run, Katie. Go and have a chat with yourself and don't come home until you've sorted it out. And mm. I do, if if I'm still in that aggy place, I'll just do another lap around the block or something or just make it a bit longer. And it's like, I feel like I'm, because I'm alone with my thoughts and there's there are no mm. distractions around me. I mean, I, I'm choosing to like tune into that. It's like, I, I, sort, I sort it out and I kind of run through it and I have these conversations with myself. But when I've dealt with a feeling, I feel like I can just, put it outside of me and run away from it but not in a yeah. avoiding it way as in that's done and it's behind me and I'm physically moving forward totally I love that analogy yeah, so I found it so empowering I haven't been running for a while actually <laughs> I'm spouting all so this you, stuff go, you guys talking it. about running I know, I'm sat here now like yeah I'm like I need to really be going out and running <laughs> like it's coming up to like I think I counted it 17 weeks luckily I've got a 14 week training plan but I'm just like <laughs> I'm aware that I haven't been out since this time last week and I really need to. You have time. Um, I have, pl- I have plenty so of time. So what are you running it in aid of? So I am running it for the Mental Health Foundation. Um, so they are one of the leading UK mental health 
charity actually what they're really all about is kind of like the prevention of poor mental health so whilst it's helped people that have poor mental health it's also this concept of which I love and I love that terminology it's the idea of educating people so that we can help people in the future with their mental health um but they're absolutely fantastic and their website is mentalhealth.org.uk but they're an amazing charity and I just figured with everything that I'm doing now and where I stand and what I'm about and who I want to help and how important mental health is to myself to others around me to everyone it's ever present with everyone it meant that that was the most perfect choice of charity for me to run for it's really difficult because you just want to run for every single charity mm. and I would love yeah. to do it for every single charity but you have to pick one it sounds like it's a really great fit for you like it really reflects who you are what you're about and everything yeah, it's, it's the perfect so fit. where can people find you and sponsor you as we'll put the the link in there in the notes I will send you but it's on my virgin just giving so I oh got a oh, off the top of my head we'll put it in the notes but it's uk.virginmoneygiving.com forward slash Dave Mahoney 89 if I'm wrong I'm really sorry we'll, we, <laughs> we'll put it in the notes no worries we'll deal with it or just head over to my Instagram and it's in my bio so Dave Mahoney Graham great thank you yeah as um I think it's just such a great way to help yourself in the process of helping others yeah so really really rewarding yeah good for you Thank you. It's a really, you know, I'm really enjoying it as it's a challenge. And I think when I did the first, when I did my first half marathon as a training run, I was so proud of myself. So I was just like, I look back to those times like three, four years ago and I would never have done that. So it's it's a really interesting, like I'm like human experiment for me personally, but like you say, it's an amazing thing to do to raise a shit ton of money for a really amazing, amazing charity. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> Let me just an experiment. A human experiment. I love that. We are all human experiments, <laughs> aren't we, really? Like we're, we're trying to find our way and, and finding out what works because we each have something that works. Yeah. What would you say, are, I don't know, maybe three or five of the most important practices or tools you have to help your mental health? Um, so I would definitely say that I journal a lot to help with my mental health um because I feel that that is a place that is solely for me to get everything out and it sounds really weird but it's like or as much as people say I'm not judgmental or I'm not going to judge you for saying whatever you're going to say I feel that that is the only place I have that is not judgmental because <laughs> it's um a physical object that doesn't talk back um but I do use that a lot and that helps me really get everything out if I can't articulate it verbally I can write it down at least and I can use whatever words I want to use I do enjoy my meditation when I have a good meditation habit. That's that always makes me feel really good because it really grounds me and centers me. Um, self-care massively. I think we are all big self-care fans here. So um, a lot of self-care, um, as mentioned, running. Really love doing long runs, going out for a couple of hours. I really, really, really do enjoy that. Um, but also just being heard. I think if somebody gives a space and allows me to just talk and listens and doesn't give advice, just literally hears what I'm saying, that is possibly, I, I would say, the most beneficial thing that I've encountered recently, especially in my counselling studies. It's just that space being held to talk and to feel that you've been heard. I think that's a really, really cool thing. And I think that's something that we we all could do with yep completely agree but it's funny as we we discussed last episode um 
how hard it can be at times not to give someone you love advice. That's something mm -hmm. I've been finding difficult is knowing when to just be there and just listen without trying to help as yeah. it's, you know, it's, I naturally want to help and, and be that person. And it's really hard for me not to at times. Um, so I guess like from your studies, do you have any tips then on active listening or holding space like that? Definitely. So um, one of the things you can't do as a counsellor is give advice, which has been really beneficial because when I've wanted to give advice, it's really helped drive home the empathy aspect of, well, what is this person feeling? What do they need right now? Um, so in terms of active listening, so just keep that eye contact, nonverbal communication, nodding, smiling, acknowledging, you can acknowledge without saying stuff as it were um and there's a really fun experiment you can do and I think this would be great for you two to do and I did this in one of my first classes but it's to sit with someone whether it's someone you live with or a friend and just sit there for five minutes set a stopwatch sit there for five minutes and just let that person talk at you get them to talk about something they've an experience that made them feel something it doesn't need to be deep if you're going to rank it from one to ten keep it around a three just get them to talk about an experience and you just keep that eye contact. You nod, you smile. You could do the odd, mm -hmm, but try and be as silent as possible. And then after that, five minutes is up, the person that listened, you need to tell them about that story back and how that made them feel. So maybe bring out three elements of that that stuck out. We've done it and it was it was so daunting just to sit there. And I don't think we were allowed to do like an umming and ahhing to agree. I think we literally had to sit there and just practice nonverbal communication. But it's all about your body posture even. Like, I mean, I'm doing that because I can see myself on the Zoom screen. But if you're slouching in a chair and rolling your eyes, and that person's going to feel really, really bad, aren't they? Whereas if you're there and you've got an open body posture, you're looking at them, you're silent, you're nodding along. Another really, really big thing is just waiting for that silence to happen, wait for them to fully finish, give them that small time and then speak back to them. There are so many little tricks and tips and so many things that we've learned that now feel like a weird second nature, having done it for like the last year or so. Yeah, holding that space, being empathic, empathy. We learn as person-centered counsellors that like core conditions, which is empathy, unconditional positive regard and um, congruence, which is being the real version of yourself. So bringing that into a space and just holding it, just hold it for them. That's the most important thing. But try that little experiment because it's daunting. It's daunting when you're sat next to someone that you've only just met and you're literally looking at them and you have to then say how that felt back. But that's basically your way of showing you understand and also paraphrasing back, which is a way of registering that you understand what's being said. That sounds incredible. Mm. I can't wait to try it. <laughs> Thank you. I think, yeah. Like, That's your guys' to... homework. <laughs> yes, give us homework. We love, we Ep love like, therapy homework. Three, I want a full report. <laughs> okay, deal, deal. We'll make time for it. We'll report back. <laughs> Definitely. Yeah, I think actually that's, that's a really nice way to follow on from our, like the first episode of season two as when people hear it or if they've heard it already. Like That was something we were kind of struggling with, I guess, is not struggling to listen to each other but we can always learn more yeah so yeah that's perfect timing thank you no pleasure but definitely I think just listening so beneficial yeah I think it's it's automatic to want to go into fixing isn't it especially when it's 
anyone around you like you don't you don't want people to suffer you don't want them hurting so you go mm. straight away into solution mode mm. like, i know when i have a problem sometimes i'm like i know how to fix it sometimes i just want to yeah. i just want to get it out that's been one of the challenging things because I am naturally a fixer. I mean, like I said earlier on, the reason I wanted to do this is to make sure that everyone's fine and everyone's <laughs> happy and everyone's feeling good, right? Um, so even in like mock sessions that we have, you know, someone could present you with an issue and I'm straight to, well, how does that feel? Could you do that? Could you do this? And it's me trying to gear it towards a fix, but that's that's not what you should be doing. That's my own, and then that's where my self-awareness kicks in. It's like, oh, that's that's because that's what I would like to be said and that's how I would like to be fixed sometimes. Mm-hmm. But you can't fix, you just have to mm-hmm. really hold that space and let them listen, um, which when that does happen, and I've been on the receiving end of when that's happened, that feels just as fixing, if not even more so, mm-hmm. or at least getting me there, than somebody saying, well, have you considered doing this? But then also when you look at another thing like cognitive behavioral therapy, that's very much like reframing and switching your mindset and stuff, which could be seen as a little bit fixy, I guess. Yeah. There are all sorts of different modalities, though. I guess it's about finding the right one for you as a therapist and for the client. A hundred percent, which is where that intricative thing kind of comes in. So I think, I mean, I, I love person-centered therapy because it is just listening to someone and it is just being there and holding that space for them and being on the receiving end of just being listened to, it really helps. Yeah. But I definitely think that as time goes on and I start working with people and, you know, actually getting in the room and having clients, who knows what's going to come up and you never know something that Freud might say. And I know I said that's <laughs> a joke, but I mean, I went into this whole thing being like, <laughs> Freud, like what's he on about um but actually when I studied Freud I actually probably found so much of past behaviors rooted in some of his theory which was not what I expected at all so fascinating yes each each person's different yeah do you have any idea of the type of people you want to help most in the future I want to work with people in the LGBTQ plus community and maybe work with people within the community that may be dealing with addiction or um, low self-esteem. It's been, I mean, a lot of people within the community have very general mental health problems. So low mood, anxiety, depression, and that obviously comes through a range of different reasons why somebody could be feeling that, but obviously a lot of depression, worry about coming out, what other people will say, you know, what society says, you know, your own internal thoughts. Um, So I would love to work with people in the community. Um, But I'm also massively interested in attachment theory because it's something that has really um presented itself through this whole journey as something that I I want to say I definitely have but I don't think you have attachment theory something that I can definitely relate to Mm. Mm. um and so I don't know I don't know if I can just become a a attachment theory (laughs) counsellor but that's an element that does really really excite me so I don't know whether that's relationships or or something but that's an element that does really help me but I think no matter what I do, I do think it's going to be integrative because I just, I know what I'm like and I'm really indecisive. And I know that if I was just to stick to one modality, I'd be like, oh, that from that one that I don't specialise in is really good. So I think it would be integrative. And I think that's where the coaching comes in. Yeah, it is all connected though, isn't it? Like, you know, you've got the attachment 100%. theory from childhood, you know, our relationship with our parents mm. and family members. And then, you know, we grow up and we take those with us and then, possibly like the low self-esteem addiction issues coming out issues acceptance around that it is all interconnected so 
it makes sense. hundred <laughs> percent. It's, it's so interesting. And I will say, and they always say like, when you do the counseling courses that it's not about your own personal development, like it's not, that shouldn't be your sole reason for doing the course. Like you, if you're going to become a counselor, it's because you want to be mm-hmm. a counselor, but the really fantastic byproduct of doing that is this amazing richness and depth. You get to your own understanding and like I said earlier, like Freud, I went into that being like, oh, he's, you, you hear it all the time, don't you? I mean, like comedy shows, he's always the butt of the joke about all girls love their dad and all boys love their mum. Like that old school, real Freud stereotype that's used in humour. And funny enough, that's actually the one piece of theory that I really disagree with. <laughs> and um, I don't agree with that. And I don't think it necessarily has a place in today's world, I guess. But actually learning about like the id and the ego and the super ego and learning all about that, like the amount that I ended up like writing about, thinking about, it was insane because it just really brought it all out. So this is real amazing way of relating to theory by applying it to your own situation, your own experiences, your own lived experiences, um, which at times is really triggering. And I've definitely been caught out one or two times which made one of my peers feel a bit sad because I got a bit emotional. But (laughs) on other times now, it's like, I know how far I want to go with that. But yeah, it's it's so interesting. And when you say it's all interlinked, it's like I could literally just, there's been so many times that I'm just like almost clicking my fingers and just saying, well, that it's not even like an earth shattering, big, wow, realisation moment. It's literally just me sitting there going, well, that made sense. Mm. Yeah, yeah, I get that. Yeah. Yeah. That would be that, wouldn't it? And I'm just being very matter of fact with it, which I love. It's, it's yeah. so interesting. I love those moments where you just kind of have to sit back. And go, yep. All right. Yeah, that's it. Mm. I get it. I, I had that with, um, I was, was doing some journaling work on values the other day. And I did this little exercise and the, the result it came out with just made complete sense to me. I thought I would have been able to predict that. Like it just makes so much sense. Yeah. I love those moments. They're just great, aren't they? You almost want to say to yourself, like, told you so. Yeah. <laughs> like, you almost want to say, like, I'm right. Like, you just want to kind of give yourself a pat on the back and be like, yeah, yeah, I knew that. I kind of look around, like, is anyone watching? Like, did anyone see that? Like... <laughs> yeah. And do you know the, the best thing about this as well is when you hand those sort of pieces of work in and you get them graded and it's like, oh, that was a really good reflection. I'm just like, yeah, yeah, <laughs> that made a lot of sense on a lot of different levels. Next. It's, it's so, it's honestly, it's so interesting. Mm. Mm. it's funny that you you mentioned that because laura and i both did the celta which is the teacher training um course mm. and i think the bit that we loved I'm, I'm not sure if i speak for lauren here but what we we both really loved from it was the reflection sheets at the end of the day yeah <laughs> um it was like you had to journal essentially on your teaching practice when you got mm. observed and everything and i remember writing pages and pages and pages and handing in extra pages with the one they gave mm-hmm. me And that was the bit where I could really go to town on it. Yeah. I just loved the whole experience. I actually had a meeting, it was through work, but it was with a, I think he's a sports psychologist. He showed me a graph. There were three different, was it tests? So you had the different groups. And then one of them, they were told, oh, you know, do your best. You can do it. You know, we believe in you. The next one was that. And they were given a coach. And then the third one was the first two. And also they had to self-reflect and get feedback from the coach too. It was gradual in the beginning, but then towards the end, it shot up because obviously they'd had Mm. time to self-reflect. They'd also had feedback from a professional and they really, really improved. And I was like, of course, you know, we we don't think about doing it, but 
it's so powerful to sit there and actually think because we get caught up in day-to-day things in you know in our mess and everything but actually when you like so journaling I think is so important because when you sit there you evaluate your day or you know an event or something that you've experienced you think okay did it go to plan how did I handle it how could it be better you know the next time it happens or something comes up you have the tools then or you just have that space to step back and be like okay this is what happened last time how can I change it to, you know, experience it better this time? It's, yeah, really powerful. Yeah, and it just helps with your self-awareness as well. Mm-hmm. Like you say, Lauren, you know, next time this happens, how am I going to do it next time? And that's like been really brought to my attention recently. Like when I've, I get aggy or when I get stroppy, because I do, um, like we all do. I'm just being open. I do get stroppy. Um which my mom is going to love when she listens to this, <laughs> that I've admitted. That's We're human, not perfect. <laughs> oh, exactly. But I get stroppy. And now, actually, the really funny thing is, like, not too... Um, I won't go into the situation because <laughs> I'm not outing us as having temper tantrums in our house. But um, I sat down and I, I had a bit of a temper tantrum. And I sat down and I, instead of being like, oh, this is so annoying, blah, 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 I was just like, okay, you're really... Aggie and pissed off right now what is that teaching you and instead of me just there was obviously an element of me being like I'm annoyed at this I'm annoyed at that but the main kind of overarching thing was what can I learn from that experience however simple and even logistical or physical it might be but what am I going to do next time that feeling arises and that really big reframe which I can only boil down to that self-awareness that you get from continued journaling and it's a term that we say a lot, but, you know, doing the work and putting the work in and actually starting to like understand yourself a bit better. Um, mm. But I also thought that was really mature of me because I was just like, <laughs> I sat down, I was like, Rah! and I was like, okay, what is this teaching you? What are you actually learning from this? And the minute I put that mindset in, I was just like, oh yeah, that, yeah, yeah. Do that, do that in the future. You feel proud of yourself. You feel like the older version looking after child you, you know, like reparenting yourself in a way. You can kind of watch, I could go down that path or I can choose to go down a different direction and not end up in a temper tantrum or crying my eyes out. I'm speaking from experience here. (laughs) Took me 31 years. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it's all a work in progress, isn't it? Exactly. So you mentioned the LGBTQ plus community and how you'd like to help them. Mm -hmm. What was your experience of, of coming out? Was it quite easy for you or was it something you found difficult? Kind of. I mean, um, the lead up to coming out, I think a lot of it was kind of actually just trying to understand and make peace with what I say make peace, actually just trying to understand what I guess what gay is, because I you, you don't you don't I never got taught what it was at school. You don't get taught that at school. Mm. So I think for so many years, I was just like I knew who I was and I knew what I was. Um, and I think a lot of it was actually making making friends with that and understanding it and I mean I went to an all boys school so you can imagine what boys are like and I only had to open my mouth to be called you know every name under the sun on near on daily basis and that is literally sort of the pitch of my voice and the fact that I have a slight lisp I mean that was you know that was the stuff I got told every day I was kind of told I was gay whether I said it or not so um I think a lot of it over the years I just had to understand what it was and you had like the old friend here that would say like are you aren't you and for such a long time you're just like not talking about it but funnily enough um 
you both probably know I have like a wild love for Pink, um, the singer, not just the hair colour. <laughs> I was actually and... listening to her music before we got on this call just to get in the mood. So Yeah, and I was watching the documentary um, the other week and there's a really beautiful part about a letter that she receives from somebody who's part of the community and how much that helped her. And funnily enough, and as I watched it, I, it just, it completely came back. So I'm just, I, I've lived as myself for, I was, I think I was 17 when I came out. So what, however many years, 15 years, I think. Um, and it brought it back that actually the reason I decided to at that moment was because she was supporting National Coming Out Day. Um, and I was seeing her in concert the week after. So it was oh, just wow. like, that just makes sense, doesn't it? <laughs> and then that burned me on. Um but I think a lot of it was, it was, yeah, it, it was scary. I won't lie. It was, it was scary to do. And I think things are really different now. And that sounds really weird to say that literally only over like a decade, just over a decade later, I do think things are really different now. Um, but yeah, I was absolutely terrified. Um, but I'm really lucky that I had my mum and um, my stepdad to be, so lovely about it and just so cool with it and yeah it was a shock but you know I also had a Christina Aguilera poster on the wall I mean (laughs) wasn't that much Um, of a shock yeah you know it was a stripped album cover like every my young dream but um you know I think it it was scary and but it's fine and I think I look back at that and I'm just like wow I, I had it so lucky I was so lucky like that was it was scary but really when you think about the reason we have pride and the reason we celebrate pride is for all the people that unfortunately and so saddenly don't have that support to be them true selves and that's why I love pride so much. It's such an important cause it's so like I can really relate it's so important for young people especially to feel like they've got the support at home because I think Mm -hmm school at that time is being a teenager whether you you're dealing with coming out or not or just accepting who you are or body image issues is so hard and school is the place we need to recover from you know so we need to be able to come home and have that security that safe place that haven to a a sanctuary away from it all I think Mm. And sometimes when we don't have that at home, music can be that for us. 100%. Um, so for me, it wasn't Pink, it was Taylor Swift. And <laughs> <laughs> I remember just like my first ever heartbreak at 15, just lying on my bed, just reading, <laughs> this, is, this just shoves the age then, reading the lyrics in the album cover on the CD over and over and over, just like getting lost in the music because it was my therapy. It was like, yeah. she's the only one who understands. It felt like, <laughs> I, I love... Uh, you know I've recently got back into pink because because you've been so vocal about it and I just I love everything she stands for yeah and I think people in the public eye like that they do have a responsibility and I'm really glad that allies like pink and others like do take that responsibility and stand Mm. up for people whose voices aren't being heard 100% believe in that really strongly and what was really interesting when I left school I mean I went I said I went to an all-boys school and you know school meant to be the best days of your life bollocks I hated it. We'd all agree with you there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right. Just to say how it is there. I'm, I'm sorry <laughs> if you don't, if you don't like swearing on your podcast. I'm really sorry. I dropped the B word. And I, um, and when I left, I, I mean, I did all my GCSEs and A levels a year early. And that was the probably like the best thing that happened to me when I got out of school a year early. Um, however, 
badly I did on my my A-levels but I went to college and funnily enough I went to study music technology because I wanted to be a singer and a songwriter I love writing lyrics and I love writing poetry and I like really got back into that when I went to start doing all that it was like I could write music and I was writing music and I was writing and I was talking to people that had different lived experiences and came from different backgrounds and that then allowed me to start exploring who I was a little bit and explore and I felt like I was finally with people that like really didn't give a shit whether I was gay or not Mm. they just cared that I was like a nice person a bit like being a sober person it's like some people you always get the ones being like oh you'll have one won't you or you can just have this but you have your friends that are just like well you're just our mate that drink like it's not a big deal so that was really really helpful to go and actually have that bit of time and then I went to fashion uni where it was just like it was weird if you weren't a guy if you weren't gay if you were a guy at fashion school (laughs) you know (laughs) I can imagine it's funny one of our questions that we wanted to close with actually was what did you want to be when you were a kid pop star still do 100 (laughs) percent. do you still sing and write songs now I've it's weird like I'll write like little lines here and that's called like poems I think more like if something pops into my mind but I'm always singing I mean Mm. the temptation is real now that I have a microphone but (laughs) I think yeah I mean I'm always putting music on when I'm working I'll have a real bell if I'm cleaning Mm -hmm. yeah in the shower I am performing to Wembley Stadium through the art of singing (laughs) and washing my hair like that's yeah I I just love singing music yeah I, I love music yeah always it's hard when I'm running as well because often a real tune will come on and I'll be like oh, I'm gonna sing this live like running down the street and I'll get like to like the second chorus I'm just like oh, I don't God. know how you do that it's that's amazing why have I done that I've still got like another 10k to go what have I done and there's me with a stitch so I've learned to lip sync when I run um yeah I, I, I really wanted to be a pop star or a teacher interesting Ooh. welcome to the club yeah, Pop- yeah. yeah. star teacher <laughs> an yeah. accountant I went through a phase wanting to be an accountant as well that's very yeah different very varied. Mm. yeah that was like my that was like going to be my sensible career option ah okay and so then I became yeah. a fashion PR and then a counsellor <laughs> and who knows what else you're going to be in the future <laughs> who knows <laughs> and who knows might change my mind in who knows who knows indeed Why not <laughs> Lauren, do you have another question? Um, yes, we do have another question, actually. What makes you forget to eat? Oh, um, oh, what makes me forget to eat? Like, when I'm busy, I think. I nearly didn't eat today, but I think just when I'm busy and I'm just, like, just getting stuff done and I think that's when I forget, but I often don't forget to eat. I'm quite, like, I get hungry and then I'm just like, I need to eat something <laughs> now. But um, I think all other things, like if I'm, say, up in town, up in London or in the city for the day and I'm just like running around and I've got a coffee and I'm just going from A to B, I'll often, it's more like not forget, it's more like I'll just do that later. <laughs> it's almost like a thing on my list. And it's like, when I get home, I'll eat. Um, but yeah, I don't, I don't actually often forget but I do drink a lot of coffee and that does fill me up quite a lot, which is bad. <laughs> so, but yeah, I don't, I don't often forget, but if I do, it's just because I'm like, I'm busy. Or I'm just, and it's not even that it's like, I'm so busy that I'm not making time for eat. It's probably just because I'm in a flow mm-hmm. and I'm maybe enjoying it. Or I'm feeling particularly um, you know, organized and productive in a day, which I probably shouldn't say on a podcast just in case anyone listens to it. <laughs> but um you know you know it's how it's at the it end, is, like, don't worry. Just, cool, you know, <laughs> when you just 
you're just in your throes of your stuff and you just if you're of... still listening at this point you can call david out on it so. <laughs> as a test and i'm really sorry i, I work really hard <laughs> i work my butt off but it's not a form of punishment though is it it's just you're in the flow you don't want to interrupt that so that's that's why yeah, yeah. it's not a bad thing yeah i wouldn't ever say that i forget because it's a it's a punishment mm. or anything like that i genuinely you know just don't sometimes I'm not I'm also don't eat a lot of breakfast either I'm not yeah. I'm really bad I don't eat breakfast if I go for a run I'll have like a smoothie but that's more me being like you have to put something back in like you need to have a protein shake because otherwise your legs are really gonna hurt in about a day like today for instance like, I, I had a really light lunch but I, it's hot I don't really tend to eat a lot when it's hot you know for a question that really stumped me I sure <laughs> as hell had a lot to say didn't I <laughs> you did it's well. funny, I love these questions for the reaction <laughs> I think we we asked each other one of these questions in our very first episode and at the beginning we'd be like oh my goodness I don't know how to answer that and then we'd speak for about five minutes about it and it's funny like kind of like when you're journaling you might write the journal prompt or think of a question to ask yourself and feel a bit stumped and then suddenly once it flows it just keeps going and you're just getting it out on paper. I do that all the time. I'll be like, oh, I don't really think about this much or I don't really have an opinion on this, but that really annoyed me because da da da. And I'll always, in my mind, I'm telling myself I don't have an opinion. Clearly, I have a really big opinion on it. I'm trying to hide it. But um, yeah. yeah, they bring up all sorts of stuff. <laughs> um, I think before we finish then, just want to ask you, what are you going to do to look after yourself this week? What self-care have you got planned? Do you know what? I have a date with a really hot bath because I really, really want one. And I've got a bath bomb and some salts. Um, I want some Epsom <laughs> salts and maybe some magnesium flakes. Nice. I like to jazz it up a little bit and get them all involved. <laughs> a real, a real mix. Um, self-care. Yeah. So yeah, definitely want to take some time out and chill. Um, I have got a stack of books that I want to read. So I really want to dedicate some time to that. And I'm seeing some friends on Saturday for a little birthday get together. So that's always a form of self-care when I'm with everyone and having a great time. And then Sunday, I just really want some sleep as well. So that's the self-care that I've got planned. And and I've just probably brought in there maybe a run or some exercise of some <laughs> nature. That isn't me just going up and down the stairs. <laughs> Sounds amazing. Yeah, it does. Thank you so much for coming on today. It's been such a great chat. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. And um, just before we finish, where can people find you on Instagram or online? David Mahoneygram. It's my handle on Instagram. I'm not on Twitter or anything else. So we'll drop that in the show notes below and we'll drop your, your Just Giving link as well for the marathon so people can find you and make a donation to a really worthy cause. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you for joining us this far in the podcast. We love that you're here. To see this podcast grow, please rate, share and subscribe. If you're a fan, you can leave a review on Apple Podcasts. We really appreciate it. It helps get episodes like these out there to more ears.